Dear Lord, as we turn to Your Scripture and we look for inspiration of Your Word, we turn to Your Holy Spirit to illuminate the passage, prepare the speaker, enable the listener for what You intend to say with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a Thursday night Bible study that we meet over the over the internet on Zoom. And there's some folks I see here that participate in it. But this last week we discussed Hannah. Hannah was it was the mother was the mother of Samuel. Hannah up until just that part of her life she was she was had no children. Well, in the Old Testament, whenever you run across that, something big is getting ready to happen. And today we read a passage about another woman who had not had children. You're insignificant in the, in, the, in the land of the Bible. You're insignificant if you can't have children. If you're a woman that can't have children, you're insignificant. You might as well just be set loose. That's what the significance of this is, is that when these women have children, they become incredibly insignificant. And then God makes them even more significant. But with that, I share with you this the birth of Esau and Jacob, and then the selling of his birthrights. These are the generations of Isaac, Genesis 25:19. Abraham's son, Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren or without children. And the Lord granted her prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in his tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Genesis 25:29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. E-D-O-M. Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We now move to the Gospel according to Matthew, 
a reading of chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, 18 through 23, excuse me. Today's reading is identified as the third of Jesus' five major discourses. This one is called the parabolic discourse, meaning that it's of parables. Matthew waited until chapter 13 to dump these on you. But uh, we know that not all efforts of ours will result in success. The parable of the sower, of the sower is a reminder that it is our job to work faithfully and trusting the results to God. Hear these words of Matthew 13. That same day Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about Him so that He got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach. And Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as He sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they did not, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has, has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when the tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He un, indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of my sermon this morning is Hope of the Harvest. And the question is, what type of soil have you been? What type of soil have you been? In the parable we read this morning, there are four soils, four soils, four conditions. There's the path, the rocky, the thorny, and the good. The path, the rocky, the thorny, and the good. And those soils, the path is where the soil has been pressed down, where people have walked all over it, and it's just a seed is just going to sit on top of it. The rocky is one where the roots really can't penetrate. The thorn, thorny is where there's competition. And finally, the good. What I find interesting about the parable is that they, they spend time telling us what the path and the rocky and the thorny are, but leave it to us to kind of gather what the good might be. Hmm. Good soil is loose, without rocks, and free of weeds. Well, that's good. Well, it leaves much to the imagination. So, 
I figured I'd teach you a little bit about soil or dirt. That there are, four, there are three things that you can do to dirt. Janice and Bob Grant, by the way, they know what they're doing out there because that's a beautiful plant. I see them work in the soil. I see them work in the dirt. They come in here and they work that dirt long before there's a beautiful plant in it anywhere. And what they're doing is what I'm going to tell you about is that they're helping the soil to hold moisture. They're helping the soil to improve the airflow. And they're helping the soil to be heavy enough to support a plant. Okay? So, you know, if the soil was like loam, no plant's going to hold up. And if the soil's on path, no water and air is going to get through. And, and so, when it's, when it's of the type that it can hold moisture, then the moisture and the nutrients stay next to the root. And if, it, if you improve the airflow of the soil, then the roots won't rot. And then finally, if you can make the ground a little heavy, sometimes people do it with sand, and it'll support the plant so it won't fall over as we see sometimes helping the anchorage of the roots. So, but I said to myself, you know, we're the soil of the parable. We're all the soil of the parable. And how might I be able to take that lesson we know from dirt and apply it to our lives? As I said in the parable, the seed, as I explained to the youth, is that the seed is the gospel and the Word of God. And if it's ever going to take root in you, we have to think of ourselves kind of like soil, kind of like dirt. So, the three improvements to our soil, our faith, if one values the Word of God, you want to hold on to it and it nurtures you. If one continues to study the Word of God, not just experience it once like on Sunday morning, but turn to it yourself, that's like improving the airflow. It's allowing it so that your faith won't rot. And if one treasures the Word of God, takes hold of the Word of God and makes it part of their life, like wearing that bracelet I was talking about, that provides the anchorage of the Word. So, if anything, it takes work. It takes work to put the Word of God inside of us to allow it to take root. So many of us passively experience Scripture it's not going to do anything for you. You know? You might, might as well end up with thistles in your face. Soils are work. And as I mentioned, Bob and Janice Grant right here in the, on this, at this table, they, they come in every week, whether it's hot, whether it's raining, whether it's cool, and work that soil. And look what beauty came out of it. It's, it's a beautiful flower garden over there. I get to see it every day. But the thing is, is that the same can happen in us. And when you meet people with beautiful faith, people where their faith just seems to pop out of them, I believe they have done that. They have, they have experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ by valuing it, by returning to it, and by holding it tight. What type of soil have you been? Have you been like the packed down soil of the past? Have you been like the rocky soil which we have so much of it around here? 
Have you been the thorny soil like we might find at the roadsides of Allegheny or Beaver or Butler County? Or have you been the good soil? There's good news. As you know, when you return to your garden every spring or your flower bed every spring, sometimes the soil has just gone back to thorny or gone back to rocky or gone back to packed down. You know, you can return that soil to good with just a little bit of work. Because it's typical of us in our walk of walk with Christ and we walk with the Scripture that, you know, we come in and out. Sometimes we're really good soil. Sometimes we need to work at it a little bit. But the good news is, God's helping you. Just as God helps that Word to spread like seeds, God is also helping you to incorporate that into your life. It is the good news. If you spend time with it, let it anchor within you, it may be amazing what happens to you. Let us pray. The hope of the harvest, Lord, is that whatever soil we have been, that it is our job as You help us to work faithfully and the good news as the results are up to You. You simply call us to do whatever we can to value the Scripture, to return to the Scripture over and over again and to hold it tight. And then it comes one day our turn to spread that Gospel, to spread that seed, whether it's over coffee or whether it's over a situation in your family or community. Lord, for those who are ready, help them to see, help them to distribute, help them to then step back and let You guide the results and let it grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.